0: One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing that which is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God, When Abiathar was high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Here ends the reading. The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. I had the chance to catch up with a dear friend recently. He's an Episcopal priest at the Cathedral in Long Island, and he had just gotten back from some time off with his family. We were reflecting on how difficult it is to actually go on vacation, to take time off, whenever you are a minister. We ministers often feel like the weight of the world is on our shoulders, and sometimes that feeling of weight is self-imposed, and other times that feeling is heaped upon us. But this feeling of weightiness, regardless of its origin, it makes it very difficult to actually step away from our work. Now before anybody from St. Paul's hears this in panics, I have to say that I have not felt this way at all with this community. During my time off recently, the community actually let me get away and recuperate. And the fact that I was able to get away and not think about anyone from the community while I was gone, even once, is a true testament to this parish's health. And maybe perhaps to my own growth as well. I don't know. Now, it's not as though I don't love and cherish everybody in the parish, it's just that sometimes you just have to detach to get away for a bit to get your bearings. And we all need this from time to time, and in our own unique ways. Earlier on in my career, though, I could not detach at all. Even though I had times where I was able to get away from it all physically, I was not able to get away from it all mentally. There was a tremendous amount of weight that was placed upon my shoulders in my previous context. The ministry that had been handed on to me was so fragile that I worried that everything would just crumble in my absence. And more than this, the expectations that were placed upon me by my so-called bosses (laughs) were the furthest thing from what any sensible person would call (laughs) realistic. But I will readily confess that I certainly didn't help The situation for myself. I had a hard time separating myself from the ministry there, so much so that my first several vacations were essentially ruined. Even though I would find myself on the other side of the country on a trip, my mind simply would not let my heart and my body find the rest they so desperately needed. I found myself obsessing over and worrying about all of the things back home. And because of all my worry, I would return home from my time off far more fatigued than I would have been had I just stayed home. Now, perhaps you've experienced similar seasons of life yourself. It was during this season for me that I learned that there is a way to rest that is not really all that restful. I found myself reflecting on this time of my life a lot this week as I engage the gospel reading for this morning and this notion of Sabbath that Jesus is presenting in it. He clearly has a very different understanding of what Sabbath rest is all about than the religious teachers of his time, that it is about so much more than the simple pausing of all of our working. In this story, Jesus' disciples begin to pluck the heads of grain as they're walking through a field on the Sabbath day. They're presumably going to make a snack for their journey. The text doesn't tell us. We don't really know. But the Pharisees, they see what's happening, and they start to interrogate Jesus. Why are your followers doing that which is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answers their question by forcing them to recall a story, a story they all would have known. It's the story of the time that David was fleeing from King Saul, and he sought the help of a priest. David asked for food, but the only food that the priest had was the consecrated bread, the bread of the presence. It was the bread that would sit in the temple before the Lord all week. And at the end of the week, the priests, and only the priests, were allowed to eat it. But this particular priest, with David, decided to defy what many would have deemed as lawful in order to give this bread to David and David's men. Now, I would absolutely love to go down the rabbit hole that is this story. Why is it that Jesus counters the Pharisees' question with this particular story? I mean, what does the picking of grain have to do with the eating of the bread of presence? And how are the disciples paralleling David in this story? And how is Jesus paralleling the high priest? And furthermore, is Jesus implying that the Pharisees have become the new King Saul, the wicked king who was jealous of David and wanted more than anything, anything to kill him? I mean, part of the point of the conflict between Saul and David was that the land would never be able to find Sabbath rest under Saul's reign, but it would under David's, because David was said to be a man after God's own heart. Is Jesus somehow paralleling that metanarrative with the situation of Israel during his time? (laughs) The further you go down this rabbit hole, the more radical Jesus' response to the Pharisees becomes but we'll have to save this particular rabbit hole for another time. I will leave these questions for you to ponder for yourself. For now, we will focus on how Jesus caps off his story, how he summarizes the point that he's making. He ends it all by saying that the Sabbath was given for humankind, and not the other way around. Another way of saying it, we are not meant to enter God's rest, as much as God's rest is meant to enter us. The Christian life is a struggle, but it is the struggle to let God rest. The struggle isn't to acquire the Sabbath, but to let ourselves be acquired by the Sabbath. The struggle isn't to attain God's presence, but to let ourselves be attained by God's presence. The struggle isn't to become God's temple. The struggle is to recognize that we already are God's temple. The struggle isn't to earn God's love. The struggle is to recognize that we already have God's love. For there is no other possession of God than letting oneself be possessed by God. <clears throat> there is an ancient wisdom saying told by the desert fathers and mothers. They said that if you see a person trying to climb up to heaven by themselves, you should grab them by the heel and pull them back down to earth, for climbing to heaven all alone is not good for a person. <laughs> While there are many meanings that can be gleaned from this wisdom saying, One of them is this, that you don't need to climb away from the earth in order to find heaven. Heaven is not a place to be found, but a state of being to be actualized. The way to God is not up or out, but in. As St. Dimitri of Rostov has said, the way to God is an inner journey, accomplished in the mind and the heart. And as St. Macarius of Egypt has said, the heart is a small vessel, but all things are contained in it. God is there, the angels are there, and there also is life and the kingdom, the heavenly cities and the treasures of grace. They are there as well. The goal of the Christian life is to let the mind descend into the heart, to let the heavenly presence in the heart influence and heal the the way of the scattered mind. While we all know the pain of heartache, hearts heal with time. The mind, however, with all of its thoughts that incessantly flow through it, the mind seems to constantly plague us. How many nights have we lain awake, overwhelmed by the frenzy of worried thoughts reverberating through our minds? Our memories of our past failures, they still haunt us. Our fears over the future paralyze our actions in the present, and they cripple our emotional health today, all because we have not overcome the duality that we've created between head and heart, between the heaven. And the earth within. And all of our worry, all of our fear, all of our mental and emotional fatigue, all of our anxious duress, all of this directly impacts who we are and how we exist in this world. At the very least, we let ourselves become so overwhelmed with anxiety and unrest that we don't realize how unpresent we are to each and every moment that is given to us. So rather than being fully attentive to our loved ones, or to the beauty of the earth around us, or to God's presence, or to our bodies and their needs, we let the multitude of our concerns carry us off somewhere else, far away in our minds. Our inability to rest makes us less than attentive, less than mindful to everyone and everything around us. But more than this, people who are not at rest in themselves, people who have not yet descended to the hidden treasure of grace within their hearts, they can't help but to perpetuate unrest all around them. If you need proof of that statement, (laughs) just log on to Facebook for like five seconds and read what people are posting these days, and you will find more proof than you'll ever need. Rather than being a peaceful and grace-filled presence in the world, people now are allowing their inner state of unrest to lash out like a tidal wave and sweep over people. Those who have no peace within themselves They are the Pharisees in our story. Their state of unrest causes them to scrutinize everyone else's actions. And they blame others for their own inner turmoil. They blame the problem they are experiencing within themselves on the things that they see outside of themselves. Now, to be clear, this does not mean that problems outside of themselves do not exist. It just means that even if they could create the perfect society, the utopic world they've always dreamed of living in, they would still have no peace. My friends, if we cannot find inner peace in a broken world, we will never find inner peace in a perfect world. This does not mean that we shouldn't strive to make the world a better place. It just means that we should check our motives behind the why of our wanting to make the world a better place. If we are engaged in politics or activism or justice work to fix a broken feeling in ourselves, then we've made the pursuit of justice more about ourselves than those who desperately need their justice to be about something more than our own self-interests. My friends, we cannot fix our own inner brokenness by fixing the broken world around us. For true Sabbath rest is never something we create or piece together. It is only something that we can receive and embody. It is one thing to condemn the hellish nature of the world around us. It is another thing entirely to embody the heavenly world within us. It is one thing to rouse unrest in the face of imperfection. It is another thing entirely to reveal what it means to let perfection rest in us. It is one thing to work toward an idea of Sabbath rest for our world. It is another thing entirely to actually be the world's Sabbath rest. For Sabbath exists for humankind, not humankind for Sabbath.